from the top of the charts to the dusty $1 bin and everything in between, it's time for another review on Life to Labyrinth. Right, welcome to another episode of Life to Labyrinth podcast. My name's Bryn. I'm here, of course, with Angie and Stephen. How are you guys doing? Good. How are Good. you? I am doing okay. I'm back on the wagon diet-wise, so hopefully I, my stomach will stop hanging over the top of my pants. Oh, bless you. I've given up. <laughs> I just ate ice cream and I'm drinking wine. <laughs> I, uh... Follow my diet plan, everyone. <laughs> I think we've discussed it off camera or off camera or off mic before but <laughs> i did keto for like two years and had a lot of success with it and then over kind of leading up to christmas with me being home and stuff i completely fell off the wagon and i don't know how much weight i put on but i'm pretty sure it's a good thing i don't have to put my jeans on too often anymore and i have a large selection of sizes but sweatpants are holding strong so far i moved to jeggings years ago to avoid this completely <laughs> and it's the smartest thing i've ever done <laughs> I don't know if I could get away with jeggings. I have some fairly good. I have some fairly nice sweatpants. I don't know if if my boss saw them. If she feels the same way, I was shocked that I could get away with them at the government because I got dark colors and black, and they look kind of just like work pants, but they are elasticized everywhere. Excellent. Wee. Excellent. I did, while Stephen and I were still working together, I did switch off of the work pants I had from that job and switch completely to to my track pants, which they, we, they were, we were told that that was fine. It's just women weren't allowed to wear leggings, but I was like, uh, oh. yes, which are the exact same as jeggings. Really, yes. Um, so for some reason, no one commented on the fact that mine said juicy on the ass. I just got away with it. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, getting away with everything. Right. <laughs> North American straight enough white man. Yeah. Just still going. <laughs> straight enough got me fuck <laughs> i don't know if you guys like the show scrubs but there's a character on it called the todd and there's a, a quote from the todd that i love the high five and guy. um high five todd and he says the todd appreciates hot regardless of gender <laughs> the to- nice. todd knows what's up <laughs> and i'm here for that <laughs> I said it at that Christmas party that I had to sort of duck out of to record that our wrapped episode. I tried to be funny and be like, oh, you know, Brynn appreciates hot regardless of gender. And I got greeted with like the deadest silence. Oh, no. Oh, no. That's hilarious. <laughs> so, Rip. Anyway. <laughs> Still employed so far, so. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> I think you should be able to appreciate everyone's beauty regardless of gender. Exactly. So speaking of everyone's beauty... We're listening this week to a band that was Angie's suggestion, I believe, a long overdue recording of a heavily influenced by Queen and the Darkness and all those androgynous, lovely people, the Struts. Take it away, Angie. Who are we listening to? I don't remember actually how I heard of this band, but I think I just happened to catch them on the radio once, and it was one of those things. I think I had the same reaction to um, Greta Van Fleet where you're just kind of listening and you're thinking, oh, this is interesting. And all of a sudden that voice just kicks you in the face. It's just like a, a swift punch to holy, holy shit. So anyways, this is a British rock band. I'm sorry, I always pick Brits. It's a 
problem of mine. It's a disability. Um, so they're from Derbyshire, Derbyshire, England. Do you like how I say that? Derbyshire. Yeah, I was impressed. <laughs> they formed in 2012. And I think the fat, most fascinating thing I read about them is that they formed in 2012 and they were touring with the Stones by 2014, which as a like a new band, that must be the most incredible thing ever. Yeah, they've said their influences were Led Zeppelin, Queen, ACDC, Leonard Cohen. Leonard Cohen's a bit, you don't really hear that. At all. But I'm a huge Queen fan, and this guy has Freddie Mercury all over him from his vocals to what he wears. I think they actually use the same, they use, they he uses the same costume designer that Freddie Mercury had. But I just. Yeah, what can I say about this band? It's It just is that same way. It brings back like an old sound, but in a new way. And every song is just kind of this one crazy anthem after another with these vocals that just come from another time. What did you guys think? I'm going to hand it over to Steven, if I'm honest, because I think uh, this is way more Steven's jam and Steven's wheelhouse than mine. Yeah, totally. Like, as soon, like when we started listing their like influences, yeah, Queens right away, like... But not even just the sound, like you said, his vocals blew me away. But it's funny, actually, you mentioned it right before we started recording and I didn't want to say anything. Listening to this album, I rediscovered four or five songs that I absolutely love, but had completely forgotten existed <laughs> until you suggested this album. Yay! Like, the name didn't even sound familiar to me, but Roll Up could have been me. Man, I used to play those <laughs> on loop day after day. I love them so much. But yeah, I don't know. I really love the sound. There's obviously a lot of Queen. Like you said, even the way they perform on stage and the way they look is very heavily Queen. But I like that you could, to me at least, I heard a bit of the, like, the Killers in there on a couple songs. Yeah. I mean, I haven't really listened to the Killers in, in years, but they'll always hold a pretty big chunk of kind of like the formative music I listen to. Yeah, for sure. In that the Killers were almost the first kind of like spiritual successor to Queen. And that was the generation I was in. And then... The struts are the follow-up to that and have honestly <laughs> completely blown away the killers in pretty much every aspect. Yeah, I don't know tons about the band, but I can say I absolutely love the album. This is, I've listened to very little rock, honestly, but this is the style of rock I love. It's why Queen's on my top 20s every year, because when I'm just in the mood for some like nice big vocal, big anthem rock tracks, I'll, I turn to Queen. And now I'm going to start turning to the struts. And I've... <laughs> Even in that first week, I listened to the struts, like I listened to Everybody Wants so many times that it actually changed the algorithm for how my daily mixes are made. Damn. So now like 30% <laughs> of my daily mix one, my main one, is now glam rock tracked. Yeah. <laughs> like it, was, it only took like three or four days before the struts started showing up like first, second or third song every day. And it's still like that because I'm like, I'm not going to not listen to it if it's already in front of me. Um, yeah, I, don't know. I just, I really enjoyed it. And it was really fun that so many of the songs on this album were ones that I absolutely loved when I first heard, but hadn't listened to in so long that I just completely forgot they existed. Hmm. I love that. I love I, that you uh, knew them. I didn't know. I didn't think you were going to know them. I didn't either when you first said it. <laughs> um, I find yeah, it sort of shock, not like, shock that Steven knows them. Yeah, I don't know. It's like part of me loves it too like you said because they're british and like because like queen and the killers were my kind of go-to rock bands forever to me rock always kind of has a bit of that british flair to it and the struts 
the struts deliver that consistently no matter what track you're listening to by them you just it has a british feel to it i love it <laughs> Bryn, how did you feel so, about this before i get really i had never heard of them before i'd never listened to them before i didn't i definitely heard some queen in them but i i heard a lot more france ferdinand in these guys yes um, mm, yeah and i heard the rex a lot i think just to call back to the rex because they're a good band and we should keep them in the front of our hearts and just in, in like song structure i don't know if it's any kind of intentional thing that's what i heard in them this kind of rock music i'll admit as much as i love queen and like glam music and power music and stuff like that this isn't really like i said it's not really my wheelhouse in terms of what i listen to and i think it's because i just don't listen to a lot of modern rock radio and i never have i sort of got as far as the brit invasion like brit pop invasion of 1996 and kind of stopped listening to a lot of modern rock after that and kind of just dove back further i went further backwards instead of going forwards because at that point it went from like Britpop to to like emo music and when like fallout boy and those guys are coming out again steven's wheelhouse Yeah, because um, <laughs> I didn't relate with any of that music when we were in high school and sort of early college and maybe early working career and stuff. I, I kind of just completely left modern rock music. So this was a, a complete discovery for me. And the thing that the problem I always have with listening to modern rock is I struggle to hear it as a unique thing. A lot of it sounds very similar to me. When I was reading about sort of like, you know, the killers and the strokes, and I heard a lot of Franz Ferdinand in it, and I was just like, these bands all kind of sound similar, but it's because, you know, music only has so many note combinations, and they've all been influenced by a lot of the same bands. And so I, I struggled. It was one of the, a listening experience for me was I liked listening to it. Every time I put the album on, which I'll admit wasn't too many times, I enjoyed it. But I found the thought of listening to it was something that I was just like, I don't want to. Hmm, so I found myself, I, I struggled to listen to this album, but when I did put it on, I enjoyed it, but not enough to sort of empower me to jump over the the, the barrier of kind of being like, nah, I, don't, I don't feel like listening to it. I want to listen to something else. So... I'm really kind of on the fence. I, I like I like the album. I do. I like I like the way they build. I like the way they sing. I like the song structure. I like the lyrics are pretty good. I like the production of the album. I like a lot of things about it. But the thought of listening to it, I'm just like, eh. I'm like I'm like whelmed by the thought of listening to it and really enjoy actually doing it. <laughs> if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's interesting that you say you kind of stopped listening to modern rock, but you mentioned Franz Ferdinand, who is also, I think, fantastic. And I guess, I don't really think that I got into a lot of modern stuff, but I did move to England at around this time that you were talking about. Mm -hmm. And I think I might have really got into wholeheartedly accepting their music scene because... When I was listening to this, I got back into my wormhole of British music like Snow Patrol and Keen oh and Star Sailor. And, <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I never know what people listen to here because I really dove deep into it. And I was also didn't know if anyone had heard of this band here, even though I was here when I discovered them. I never know how exposed they are over here, but I, I hear what you're saying a bit. I have a big appreciation kind of the same way like 
Amy Winehouse brought back something that had already been done and made it her own and kind of kicked it in the face and brought it up to a different level. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying the struts are doing that, but I'm saying I kind of love when people are like paying homage to a great time in music and doing something a little bit different. And because I am such a crazy Queen fan, it I think it just super resonated with me. Yeah. And I wish I could have made more of a Queen connection with them. I heard a lot more of their sort of contemporaries than I think maybe their influences. Like, you know, like I said, I heard a lot of Franz Ferdinand in like The Darkness, who they the band cites as an influence. But yeah, like I think if I was to go to like, I don't know if Edgefest was still going, but as an example, Edgefest or some such thing. God um, bless Edgefest. God bless Edgefest. <laughs> Like, I could see, like, these guys and the darkness and, the, you know, it just feels like a lot of the same kind of music. It's just, like, music that was, like, on the bear at that time. And and when these guys came out, I guess 2012, I was already living in Edmonton. I was 27, I guess. Were we 27 in 2012? <laughs> no, Something we like were that. 30, weren't we? Well, I was born in 84. Oh, yeah, same. I can't do math. I don't know why you're asking me. <laughs> so, yeah, like, I don't know. 27, 28. I feel I like I that... was single when this album came out, which is why I just like jumped onto it and listened to it over and over again. So that's why I thought no. we were... Anyways. No, that's totally fair. So in 2012 kind of, and 2014, when this album, I guess, came out... Like, 2016. I was just, yes, I was single. Well, this, the reissue of this came out in 2016, which is the one that's on Spotify. But apparently the original version of it came out in 2014, according to Wikipedia, anyway. And so like at that point in my life... I had two kids and I was like married and I just, and I think the only time I listened to music was like in the car and I was still like very much just listening to like the same mixed stuff that I'd had forever. And I think when modern rock was sort of in its last big gasp of the early 2000s and late 90s and stuff, I think I was just sort of in, I was in radio broadcasting in that and but most of the people I was going to school with and spending time with at the time were very much obviously music snobs because we were all in radio broadcasting and they all were music snobs in a way of like they all liked classic rock more right and they all sort of wanted to like out snob each other with like the obscure ass classic rock they listened to not so much the modern music we were all listening to or they were listening to or even playing on the radio so i think i think this kind of stuff just hit at the wrong time for me in in terms of my age and stuff i just i think i just wasn't open-minded enough to listen to modern rock i was just like it's just copying what's like why would i listen to this when i can listen to queen and i think for me it's still trying to drag my mentality out of that rut yeah i hear what you're saying for sure i think i was newly single and living almost on my own and I think I just caught on the radio kiss this and I think it just just totally took me by surprise how great and I keep I know I'm gonna keep saying Greta Van Fleet like the way you're it's just unassuming and then the vocals were just like oh this is from a different era this is from a different decade and then I looked it up and realized it was new Mm. and I think I was listening to music a lot on my own and you know like oh I'm newly single woman kiss this can I get a little uh 
And I get that song stuck in my head to this day all the time. So are we going to be listening to this again in February when we do breakup albums? <laughs> <laughs> no, this, this would have been like everybody wants by the struts again. <laughs> this would have been more of the like coming up empowering. The breakup albums are more like, I'm just going to sit in the darkness and cry a little bit. Um, this would have been the bounce back album. This would have been the I discovered plenty of fish again album. <laughs> <laughs> This gal is on the market album. I hope we don't get into our plenty of fish stories. Oh, God. I'm sure you have better ones than we do. Stephen's ever on plenty of fish. Yeah, I wasn't. (laughs) I've got none. (laughs) I guess I got my brothers, but I probably shouldn't. It doesn't matter. It's my understanding as as a man on Plenty of Fish, you're not you're not really getting the full Plenty of Fish experience. The RIP yeah. inbox, millions of unsolicited dick pics experience. It's more like I feel like being a man on Plenty of Fish or dating or online dating in general is almost like trying to like get a job. It's like you're you're just like in a bad economy. You're just like one of a hundred emails. <laughs> like you're trying to write a really good cover letter. <laughs> I have friends that are, you know, newly single and getting onto dating apps and they're like, oh, this is so terrible. And I'm like, oh my God, it's terrible, but I fucking loved it. I love meeting people. I love calling people on their shit. I love being weird and quirky. And I was just like, you have to go into it thinking it's the craziest adventure and just think that you're writing a book on how stupid it all is and you're going to love it. It's going to (laughs) be great. Just pretend like you're a comedic observer and then it's a great time. But um, (laughs) yeah, I think this, I think probably the reason why this music latched on the way it did was possibly just when I heard it, it was like exactly what I wanted to hear, just kind of like an upbeat anthem But it, there is, I, I want you to go back and listen to track nine and think Queen the whole time because there's one part where he goes up and I'm almost waiting for him to break out into part of Bohemian Rhapsody. If you're listening along oh, and following along on the album, that is the, the song champions. Young Stars. Yes, yes. <laughs> Um, or I think it's We Are the Champions, but it's like it's just there's this part that goes up and you just close your eyes and it's it's Freddie Mercury. Anyways, I'll stop talking about Queen, but um Yeah. <laughs> We're gonna I have just, to do like a month of Queen at some point and just like cleanse ourselves. I will do it. Um yeah, <laughs> I know I'm yeah, I know Queen so well I have half of their songs choreographed because I did that when I was in grade three. Yeah, I can see why let's, you maybe let's put a pin in that and come back to it another time. <laughs> okay. The routine. A routine. Yep, for sure. Uh-huh. Steven, we've been talking a lot and you've been quiet, which is unusual and I don't like it. So jump in. <laughs> I don't know. I didn't have much to say, right? Like it's a bit different for me. Um my my love of this style of music and this sound is probably formed mostly just out of kind of a bit of nostalgia, maybe not that I've ever really stopped to think about it, but that's just the music I grew up listening to. Right. Like this is just British rock and this is British rock kind of at the far spectrum of incredibly well done, but it's the same sounds I kind of from age four to about 13 was just the music I listened to on the radio every day. Sorry. That's a probably a big reason why I don't listen to a lot of, not only contemporary rock, but a lot of like American or Canadian rock is because it's just inherently a very different sound. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, when I think rock, I want rock to be a big, like kind of punchy and anthem I always want it to be super upbeat and fun. 
because it's that's a big part of why I like punk music as well is just that the speed and the energy and the enthusiasm I just I like music that for the most part that just like pumps me up and just makes me smile no matter what the fuck else is going on and I feel like Queen does that for a very large amount of people and to me a lot of these tracks are going to be so much of Queen and so much of just that kind of unbridled energy and happiness that I, yeah no matter what I was doing I could throw on any track from this album or pretty much any of their albums and it'll just even if it's just for that like say four minutes it'll just make me happier and it's not like a conscious thing I'm thinking through I think it's just the result of growing up in like primarily England but kind of in Europe and listening to this stuff kind of day in and day out that's just part of what my like my childhood sounds like to me essentially oh yeah I also feel like they take themselves a little bit less seriously than and I was trying to like they're you know they're rolling the R's like they're being campy yeah. they're being I fun. Didn't mention i do like he's got these little like like the vocalist has got these little flares on some of the words and letters that are just fun and you know he rolls his r there's a i can't remember the name which track it was because i just heard it on the way in but there's a song where he like he drags his s's out just a little bit like maybe just like an extra half second or so and it's just this fun kind of needless little quirk in the vocal track and it's just enjoyable <laughs> it's fun to listen to music where you think the person's having fun yeah exactly you know what i mean you're like they're having a good time i'm having a good time but i think to go back to your appreciation of the british last night i was watching the new rupaul's drag race and then i immediately watched <laughs> the new rupaul's drag race uk and i was like this is so much more enjoyable it's so much funnier it's so much campier it's so much risque like it's just it's so much risque it's almost a sentence but anyways there's just something totally different about it where it's it's so much more like kind of fun and light and hilarious and and i i hear what you're saying about the maybe some of the british rock aspects of it it's funny actually it's exactly what me and my wife did because she she actually got a subscription to whichever it's it's on now so that she can watch the newest season so yeah but we watched the american one and then the uk one and i agree i really like the uk one not the tangent but it's i'm so glad they put a couple scots on there this season because they're already so much fun so funny but so inherently like hilarious it's just oh it made me yeah, it made me very UK homesick. It's interesting how even amongst the most liberal people in the US, they're still vastly more conservative than most of Europe and the UK. There's, yeah, it's hard. There's Inherent lots, freedom there's lots there. of cons in the UK, but the whole like, yeah, people do feel like far more open for, I don't know, humor and jokes and shit. It's just, it's just another level. Yeah, I think on top of that too, right? Part of it is the framing of it being British because the type of political scheme and the type of social issues they're fighting against in Britain don't translate well to what we see here, like especially in Canada. So like they're fighting against a different level of like class systems and, you know, even older traditions than, you know, the ones they're fighting against in the U.S. So there's, there's just a different type of like to me, part of it is like it's why Monty Python has never had a contemporary like that because There's nothing like it. There's nothing like it. And it was born of such specific societal traumas and societal issues that they all grew up and knew inherently how to invert and subvert. And like that level of irreverence Monty Python has is in in itself 
kind of a strikeout against how conservative and very, you know, inside voices, keep your business with yourself, you know, don't bother your neighbors mentality that, as far as I know, is still really prevalent in Britain. So I think it just breeds a different mm-hmm. type of media. And it just so happens in their music, and especially the rock music, that tends to translate into these big power, upbeat, happy, yeah, you know, stuff sucks, but let's just fucking rock out and party together. Did I ever tell you that when I went to live in England, I lived with my dad's cousin, and for many years she dated John Cleese? <laughs> Holy shit, no, what? That was that's my oh. that's my claim to that's my claim to fame on your on your past story. Just, oh my god! Just, of separation from John Cleese. Just throwing that in there, no big deal. No Whatever. Big deal. The Alan Cross story was very. I was floored, but that's a much bigger deal. It doesn't even have to be. <laughs> John I'm Cleese just gonna, is just. I'm just going to keep impressing you with crazy celebrity stories. <laughs> no, I'm I'm here for it. <laughs> I was listening to some Alan Cross this week. Um, I have been was, listening to a shitload of Alan Cross. Yes. Yeah, um, did you listen to the conspiracy, the music conspiracy ones? Oh, no, I think man. so, yeah. Where David did, Bowie like told the world that Kanye West was coming in the 70s? Yeah, <laughs> I did listen to that episode. I absolutely listened to that episode. I thought it was hilarious. Fuck, I will oh, be tonight. What the fuck? So funny. <laughs> I do have feel to use like... your hookups at some point to get Alan Cross to come on and join us at some point. Oh, I feel like he's really the only person on the planet that understands to the same obsessive level almost I do like 90s Canadian rock music <laughs> and he loves grunge music and Nirvana so he and I would have something in common yeah I think he's secretly like, the number of Nirvana related grunge related episodes he has of the ongoing history of new music I'm just like this man gets me yeah <laughs> <laughs> this man told me Matthew Good was single so I love him thank you it's kind of cool that he knows that like not right? <laughs> like, are they just emailing him? Like, hey, dude, just want to let you know we broke up. And he's like, oh, Matt, so sorry. <laughs> you're, you're, you know ladies, right, Alan? I mean, I just had someone email me recently about a band I totally forgot. Funny enough. <laughs> How do you feel about the name Angie? <laughs> could, you, could you imagine you get an email out of the blue one day and it's fucking Alan Cross hooking you up with Matthew Good? Good. <laughs> That was basically my high school dream. Uh, to hook up with Matt Good would have been the highlight of my life. <laughs> I remember standing outside of Straits, which was a club in Ottawa that I was probably too young to be at. <laughs> and um, we saw Matt Good, and it was so loud that the fluff from the ceilings ceiling started falling off onto us. Anyways, afterwards we Only went out. Just calm down. No big deal. That's why my lungs are great. Afterwards, we went to the back and the band was like hanging out outside of the tour bus and like Matt Good picked which women were coming back with him. And I was like, oh, why am I such a chubby, awkward uh, (laughs) (laughs) 16-year-old? I don't think I'm getting picked. I don't think I'm getting picked. I'm sad for 16-year-old Angie, but I'm really glad for 36-year-old Angie that she wasn't statutorily raped by Matthew Good. Yeah. I feel like at the time I, just, I would have been I d- interested. <laughs> that would have been an interesting return to 11th grade on Monday. Yeah. <laughs> Could you imagine? Lost my virginity to Matthew Good. No big deal. No, no you do. didn't. <laughs> That's how all, I wanted ooh, it. How old? Huh. Yeah, I was a bit older. <laughs> I remember the story. I remember the story you told me. I don't know if it's true. Moving on. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs>
I was, uh, yeah. Listening to the song could have been right now. And I think this is the most, the Rexy song reminds me a lot of the Rex could have been. Yeah. No, for sure. As soon as you said the Rex I was like, yeah, honestly, I can, whether that's like the Rex were influenced by or not, but they definitely do have a bit of that same style. I I don't mean that in a bad way at all. I I think, you know, one of my top fives this year. Have you listened to the Rex, Angie? I know you I'm, mentioned you listened to a bunch of our episodes, but did you go back and listen to any of the albums that we reviewed? I did. I didn't do that one, which is why I'm casually Googling it, because I don't know did what you you're... like I'm this? like, T-Rex? Like, getting <laughs> a gong? Slightly different. I mean, T-Rex, also worth listening to. If you like this, you'd probably like the Rex Infinitely Ordinary album that we reviewed, if I'm honest. I feel like I'm not in the right spot. Rex Band is the first Catholic band from... Oh, no, it's... The W-R-E. Yeah, did you spell it R-E-X like T-Rex? Yeah. Yeah, that's fine. (laughs) (laughs) There's a Catholic band called Rex like T-Rex? Yeah. Are they just trying to, like, take back dinosaurs for Christianity or something? No, because they didn't exist. So, yeah, 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 I mean, yes, but... They're stealing back the word Rex so they can stop teaching people about T-Rexes. They're debunking it in their name. Yeah, that's pretty good. (laughs) That's true, that's true. I I worked with a Jehovah's Witness when I was in high school at a Harvey's, and I remember him getting into arguments with my girlfriend at the time's brother, who we worked with, about how fossils... The explanation for fossils must be that someone put them there. Oh, Jesus, fuck. (laughs) Anyway. Yeah. (laughs) It's sort of interesting to to meet people like that when you're not on that side of the stone and kind of of peek under it and and see all the, see how the life's going under there and it's been like, good up here. Yeah, bye. Um, So they're an Australian punk punk rock band. Am I at the the right people yet? That there sounds like that's them, but that sounds like them. The album's infinitely ordinary that we reviewed. Okay, okay, I'm on it. I got it. Okay, yeah. Give it well, a listen. Just, I think if you like this, you'd probably like it. Yeah, I was just giving a long pause to consider whether or not punk feels appropriate for that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oof, let's not start. A, let's not start a fight. <laughs> <laughs> no, like, I, I get it. It's just even like someone like me. I try to make sure I listen to kind of the entire spectrum of pretty much every genre I can. When I like when somebody says punk, there's still that inherent, very like limited little box idea of what punk is. I'm trying to break out of that, but I definitely don't think the Rex when somebody says punk. No, I, I would. I listen to anything that I would classify as punk ever. I did listen to the Alan Cross episode about Sid Vicious. If we're talking mm. stereotypically punk. Okay, yeah, I've yeah, listened to some Sid Vicious um, podcasts. <laughs> yes, I like how he yeah. kept he kept pointing out in the episode that it's. It's not currently ever been confirmed if Sid Barrett, not Sid Barrett, if Sid Vicious ever actually performed any any of his parts on stage. Because apparently there was a roadie that played all of his parts off stage, which I didn't know. So thanks for that, Alan. Yeah, apparently there's like no one has ever been able to confirm if Sid Vicious actually ever played bass for the Sex Pistols in general, like at all, or if he was just. That's a a good story. A husk on stage, making a spectacle of himself um, while someone else played the parts backstage. That's wild. So, I fun think, fact. I think Disgraceland did a Sid Vicious episode, too. I mean, how could you not? Yeah, it, I don't know. If you like our podcast and you don't know who Alan Cross is, the Canadian treasure. Canadian Go and listen to the ongoing history, ongoing history of New Music podcast. Check it out after ours. It's awesome. 
He is a Canadian institution. We love him. And if you like our podcast, you'll like his as well. I feel like my you may goal actually in stop life... listening to ours if you yeah. listen to his. <laughs> <laughs> because he has facts and isn't just rambling about his opinion. Um, I feel like it should be our goal to try and go to a concert with him. Anyways, just sign here for it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Let's get through when this COVID Ed, thing first. When Edgefest comes back, <laughs> I'm there. I think we should plan one because I think you, I think you came up with some great headliners there: Killers, Here Franz Ferdinand, Struts. Okay, it would be all British if we were planning it. I mean, if I was <laughs> Life to Labyrinth it. podcast presents Edgefest 2022. Yes. Here for it. I'm gonna think totally. of my Wings World Two fantasy. Oh God! Yes, 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 yes. I don't know. We may have to. I don't. I don't. We may have to uh, get our own because the Edgefest brand is probably not something I, I want to get into in terms of trying to license. Right. There was Edgefest, and then there was Somersault. So we'll just come up with like Labyrinth Mania or some shit. Sold. Done. <laughs> We're gonna be here all night till we come up with something like Labyrinth Mania or whatever. Labyrinth <laughs> <laughs> Mania. Some shit like that. <laughs> We order rotisserie chicken. Yes. <laughs> you know what? Uh, um, but what is it? Bug Hunter? Is that yeah. the one we did? Yeah. yeah. Bug Hunter showed up on my Spotify and I immediately wanted nachos. <laughs> so <laughs> you ruined that for me completely. It came on. I was like, fuck, I have everything for nachos. I know you had a theory that you don't. but There is I, a theory that no one I ever did. does. I did. I made you nachos. better, Angie. So you only ever do for two days at most, though. <laughs> yeah, no, it was, and then but it was now gone. you don't. So what have you run out of as a result of making nachos? Yeah, cheese for sure. It's cheese. Gone. All right, there. So and now then you've the, only chips. Had two the chips are gone. Yeah, no, it's all gone. Obviously, at some point, <laughs> some people do make nachos, so you do at some point have everything. But if it's but like you have oh, I really want nachos, I was like, yes. I definitely had them in the back of my mind when I was grocery shopping. For yeah, I made the sure. mistake of not having a big, awesome plate of nachos before I tried to get back on the diet wagon. So I'm not sure what's. I think it's just over for me. I um. I, I've just, I think I've kind of given up at this point in my life. I feel like I've dieted more than I haven't, and I've always been mm, this size, so I just need to mm, get over it. I just need to, I mean, I walk obsessively every day. Like, I'm not, I do my many walks to my many podcasts, which I'm, it's becoming a problem. I've listened to every podcast on the planet, but um, yeah, you definitely have to end a diet with a beer and nachos. I mean, <laughs> into a diet. It's true. I missed. I messed up because I do love beer and I didn't get any beer either. Yeah, mistakes were um, made. Yeah, for me it's a health thing because I have a congenital heart condition, so I have naturally high blood pressure. And I went to the eye doctor, and he's like, "See all this red in the back of your eye? That's that's because your blood pressure's high." I was like, "So, so that leads to blindness if it goes bad?" He's like, "Oh yeah." <laughs> That's um, definitely a good reason to do it. Yeah, and my legs, if I stand for the whole day, which I usually do because I have a standing desk at home, which you, if you were on camera with me, you probably noticed I sway a lot because it's because I'm standing. Oh, me too, but <laughs> I'm just spinning. Yeah, um, <laughs> my legs started ballooning. So I'd have my like socks on where it would stay like normal size. And it was they were ballooning like I was like nine months pregnant. And they have been ever since. So I have to, that's why I do it. It's not because I particularly give a really big crap about my physical appearance. Because fortunately, my relationship, my long-term relationship has been with someone who's slightly a chubby chaser. So the rounder I am, the, kind of the, the happier she is I've with never, me. I've never heard the term chubby chaser. <laughs> no? Oh. I love oh. it. 
Oh, wow. yeah. <laughs> so when I lose a lot of weight, she's usually like, "You're so bony," and when I like gain weight, she's like, "Finally." <laughs> but um, it's like, but I want to sit on the couch and not be out of breath. Yeah, so that's why I do it. I, I totally respect people that are just like, you know what, I'm over it. But for me, it's like I'm trying to like hold off having open heart surgery or a heart attack or having my hypertension turn into a really serious medical problem that I can't overcome. Yes. These are solid, inspiring reasons to definitely. Yeah. yeah so and I'm not that- like crazy out of shape, but I. Uh, You're walking all the time. That's excellent. I am walking all the time, but I also really like uh, wine and uh, sugar. I wanted to read something about the struts that I just to go back to the struts. Um, I know that's why we're here. We forgot. <laughs> well, I mean, we have, it's our, our episodes are very sort of musical and that we always have the middle eight where we just like completely fly off the handle and talk about something completely unrelated. So I'm here Plenty for of fish stories. Go. <laughs> um, so one time. <laughs> yeah. Let me come up with some stories for next time. I'd have to really dig down and remember. So this is, I don't know. I guess this is a review. They were in Pennsylvania. They strut out on the stage in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, like true blue rock stars in all their finery, glitter, and sequin. I feel like it should be sequins. Anyways, larger than life, bombastic, over the top. The struts from Derby, Derbyshire, England are rewriting the rules in this post-glam, post-grunge, post-punk era of rock and roll. Call it post-classic rock if you want. Practically every come up with a new name. I know. <laughs> it just posts everything. <laughs> posts everything. <laughs> and I just like that they say practically every song is an anthem, a fist raising anthem, in fact. I really want to see these guys live. I'll be yeah, straight I up. Kill the CDs live in concert. Because you kind of get a feeling for it, but then you see the music video and you're like, yes, this is exactly what I was picturing. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> like, yeah, he's wearing a sequence jacket with fringe <laughs> yes please yeah there's a picture of them on stage at rock am ring or rock am ring i'm not sure i've always said i've always read it as rock am ring and he's wearing like yeah it's like full leather red and black suit yes <laughs> with like tassels and like a gold and black shirt the shoes are not on point i gotta be honest i am not a fashionable <laughs> person but if you look at the on wikipedia his outfit is Excellent, and he's got rings, and he's got his makeup done. His hair looks great, and then he's wearing like Walmart's neat. Like the shoes, the shoes don't work for me. Listen, Bryn, sometimes you just need to be comfortable. Okay, if you're on your feet, let's let's go back to my earlier comments and story about my track pants. So I'm here (laughs) for it, and again, I'm in no position to judge. Um, But as someone that I feel like this is a guy that's got Freddie Mercury's, as you mentioned, stylist. And clearly is putting some effort into this. The shoes, man. The shoes are not on point. Um, I went out. Your eyebrows are set. The shoes are terrible. I just, I feel for this guy because I went out recently, not recently, like, I guess pre-COVID. And I was like done up and whatever. And I got out and realized I was wearing old lady sneakers (laughs) because my orthotics were in them. Oh, this story and just keeps so getting better for you. I, so I feel <laughs> like maybe Luke Spiller is a total glam hero and might have orthotics in those sneakers, and that's what he needs in order to dance around like a rock god. I mean, I, I get it. 
I'm not. I'm not <laughs> judging. Not everybody's doing squats and stilettos. Again. Yeah, I am. Um, if I, I were a rock star, I would probably have some winner's sneaker on. Yeah, I mean, I live my life as often and as much as I can in Birkenstock clogs. Mm. I am not a fashionable man. <laughs> I found t-shirt and jeans some like 25 years ago. I was like, well, I guess I'm set fashion-wise. I'm sneakers <laughs> and Blundstones a Sasufi. I will say, in almost every other picture I can find, it looks like Luke Spillard wears heeled boots or cowboy boots. Ooh. Almost exclusively. But you're seeing the picture I'm seeing, right? Uh, oh, yeah. What happened Absolutely. that day? Like, somebody steal his boots or something? <laughs> yeah. Like, every other picture, he's got these really nice, intricate, like, brown cowboy boots that he wears to red carpets. Yeah. There's a couple of him performing in these, like, they've got to be two to three inch heeled boots. This I'm pair's really pretty. I'm telling you, he got orthotics and they didn't fit in the boots. Yeah. I'm telling you. <laughs> They're also at a festival, so some somebody might have nicked his uh, nicked stage boots. <laughs> or so somebody put it in Yeah. It's just funny. It is. <laughs> yeah, it, is. It, it just doesn't match. It's so one of these things well... that doesn't belong here for yeah. sure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely. It's fun, you know. And yeah, no, no disrespect, Luke Spiller. You are a far more attractive and stylish and successful man than I will ever be. And I and get you, it. Those you boots have a head of hair not... that I have never had. And those boots don't accept orthotics very well. I understand. <laughs> We're just we're just perpetual. We're just gonna start this idea that he wears. He needs our <laughs> Imagine that was our legacy. <laughs> the day that he has to, we see a Rolling Stone interview with him. And he's like, I don't wear orthotics, okay? <laughs> Starting he'll, this rumor like, now. Maybe he'll tell Rolling Stone he does. We don't know. <laughs> We have a theory. <laughs> Start putting it on Twitter. Be like, this picture of him at Rock Cam Ring in 2019, I think, is proof that he has orthotics. Because, I mean, look at those shoes. Yeah. Nobody that's got feet that work properly would wear shoes like that. I feel like and also yeah. all these photos of him wearing the boots, it's they're like photo ops. Like, he doesn't have to run around in them. Yeah, there's only one yeah, I no. think I found of him actually on stage. In a yeah. Yeah, no, it could be completely safety related and stuff. And I mean, at those festivals, I've never had the opportunity to go to many festivals, but like you're so far back from the stage as the crowd for the most part, are you not? Like, not me. Really I like to be not right usually. in the middle. I like to be right in the danger. I like to be concerned about my life if there's a mosh pit. Um, but isn't the fence, don't they usually have the fence pretty far back from the stage itself? Not super oh, not the, far not back. Not my experience. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, you guys have been to more shows than me. That's why I'm asking. Yeah. Normally, uh, I'm just going on what I've seen on like on in like videos and stuff. You go to you see like Glastonbury and stuff, and it's like it's pretty big, or like Reading Festival. It's pretty pretty big gap in a field in a field That's festival. True. It looks in like, like online or it looks like on video. I guess unless those are the ones you're talking about, Angie. Because like my all my experience with musical festivals and stuff have been here. So like here, it's normally only like. I'd say 10 feet from the the farthest person to the stage. And there's always like a gate or fence far, and some like security guards. But... How much security do you need for Edge Fest? Let's be real. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> stop, storming, stor- stop storming Big Wreck. Like no one's doing it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, One thing I actually found interesting about it. I suspect it's probably similar. 
I suspect that the security needs would be similar to Blues Fest. Blues Fest is way bigger than Edge Fest ever was. I Blues Fest is a bit much for me. I mean, I've gone a couple times, but it's too fucking big and stupid. Renee used to work for Blues Fest. Oh, really? Then I'm sorry. It's not. It's a great uh, festival. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I, I'm not going to really get into it, but her and her Twitter account almost got her fired the year she was at Blues Fest. No, really? Wow. Yeah, yeah. she was making uh, some rather honest comments about what she thought about the acts that Blues Fest had booked that year mm. while she was, she was working the festival. I mean, that's yeah. her personal account. That shouldn't matter. It did. It's, I think, it, but they told her, yeah, basically, that uh, if the festival wasn't currently active, which is when it happened, that she would have been fucking gone. Oh my god, I'm sorry. Edgefest, July 1st, 2020? Is it still happening? Well, I guarantee it didn't happen in July of 2020. Right. It was probably fucking virtual, which is a bunch of garbage. Um, also, The Killers <laughs> is on it, so you called that. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> That's amazing. Oh my god, happy 27th birthday, Edgefest. Oh my god, I'm so old. <laughs> 27 that's not I'm just gonna right. look it up Fest, there's uh there are festivals of canada festivals in alberta festival list of festivals in edmonton let's see we have like i don't know i don't like you were saying i don't love a lot of the mm, new rock shit but we have the hope volleyball tournament which sounds really lame oh yeah but i saw i don't know if you've heard of half we have I'm just, I'm just learning right now i hate to interrupt i'm just learning right now oh. we have the edmonton accordion festival every september well fuck off so, <laughs> I never heard of that either. But the things you find out when you end up when you go on a Wikipedia hunt. <laughs> I thought we just had Fringe. Oh yeah, There's we also have something called the Sourdough River Festival, which I am here for. <laughs> What's it called? Sourdough River Festival. Oh Jesus! Oh, never heard of that one either. <laughs> can't, it can't be. It can't be better than Heritage Fest. And just we have this thing here called Heritage Fest, and Angie, and it's basically. It's basically the biggest park in the city just turns into tent city of restaurants and you just like wander around and trade tickets for food. Oh yeah, we have like, we have food festivals like that. Yeah. They get it. So we have hand. two. The two big ones here are the Taste of Edmonton, which is usually local restaurants. Mm -hmm. And it's more like food trucky and it's downtown. And then we have Heritage Fest, which is sort of like food of the world. Oh and fun. um Yeah, it's all it like is authentic. It's authentic dishes yeah and it's it's probably if, if i'm gonna dr you know drag myself out of the house in august and go do something it's probably gonna be to go to heritage fest just just like there's no there's you can't go wrong everything's delicious it's the place where i last ate welsh cakes oh. it's a very far very far call back oh, i need wow. welsh cakes <laughs> that's <a little> bit. <laughs> r.i.p nana oh. uh we have blues fest city folk Hope Volleyball and the Dragon Boat Festival. And it's more like the Dragon Boat and the Hope Volleyball, which has terrible names, have the better music. Like Half Moon Run, who I adore, who I've seen there. I saw them uh, a year before last. Oh, cool. They're from uh, Montreal, I think. Steven, have you heard of Interstellar Rodeo? Folk and Rock Music Festival? No. Apparently that's a thing that happens every July. I guess I mean, according to this, next according year. to this, uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> there was something I saw recently that was booked for twenty, like summer of twenty twenty one, and I was like, that's not happening. 
some festival. Right. Oh, oh, um, Saints and Sinners tour, not a festival, but a tour was supposed to happen last year. And I think that's supposed to happen this year, but it is... Ah, oh, fuck. I've already forgotten. It's Christian Moist. Rock and Rock. No, it's Moist, my favorite. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> I'm not surprised to learn that, but ugh, that band. Oh, I love I, them. There was a talent show when we were in high school. It's the only time I've ever really properly played on stage. Guitar, anyway. And I played a Moist song. And I dedicated it to Angie oh from the stage. God. Oh my god! <laughs> I kind of remember that, and I love you for it. We played Resurrection. <laughs> oh my god! I love it. Okay, guys, it's Headstones, Moist, Sloan, and the Tea Party. This is what this is my life. Holy like shit. I'm going. I don't give a fuck. This is my people. Yeah, that's a fucking lineup, Dan. <laughs> Party. I remember Renee saw the tea party one time and, and apparently before he played oh god I wish I wish I could tell the story better but before he played one of his you know tea party songs um, I think it was Walking Wounded before he played Walking Wounded he was like this is a song I hope I never have to write again <laughs> <laughs> no because you already did so you're amazing Something um, like that, huh? that's hilarious Nine? I haven't seen enough concerts. I never had. I haven't had the opportunity to go to enough concerts. Okay, this person's not right. Edgefest is twenty-four years old. Not <laughs> I don't know. One thing I found surprising about this, like especially now that I'm re-listening to it, about this album is that you know it's like a surprisingly. I can't think of the way to phrase it, but right, this rock album has a lot less sex and drugs in it than I'm used to getting in my sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Yeah, like, it's a bit more popular anthem. Yeah. It's, Especially considering the album art has like yeah. guys hanging out and like a bunch of hands on like a glittery body. Yeah, it's mm. pretty. Yeah, it just it really surprised me. Like even like the old switcheroo is yeah. based off that kind of subject matter, but it's done in a way that's just fun and kind of poppy. And it's, I just assumed at some point I was going to get a song about explicitly about sex or drugs and I got neither. And it was just kind of a refreshing change, honestly. Um, not even sure how to feel right now. <laughs> for all switcheroo, my note was this is an anthem for swingers. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> you know when I posted, because I just fucking remember to mention it, I posted that song in the Discord and I just like posted the title without context because I, I had intended to go back and edit my message to add context <laughs> to it and then I forgot. <laughs> um, so that band, um, the Orion Experience, they've got a song called... Um, the cult of Dionysus and okay. the old switcheroo every time I like listen to it makes me think of that song and then I end up on that song and then I just rabbit hole down back and forth between the two bands because it's a good song everybody go listen to the cult of Dionysus so the song's called the cult of Dionysus and the band is the Orion experience it's they're a lot like of a big words yeah Jesus oh it's like a in the same way as like the struts almost it's it's got a really like almost like psychedelic rock feel to it but kind of updated to a modern contemporary sound mm -hmm. i had yeah intended to go back and be like hey i think at least one of you will like this or will like something the band has done and then completely forgot to do that <laughs> and i turned my <laughs> notifications for discord off ages ago so i didn't then think to check until like three four days later and was like well i'm not going back to that now <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know if I noticed that. My notifications for Discord are, I think, off unless unless I'm messaged privately. Yeah, so I think some private messages. Just like, bloop, 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 like, mm -hmm. just 
just like the, yeah i'm sure you know yeah that's <laughs> so why it's in my so mind active. <laughs> your phone just like fucking vibrates off the table and you're just like god damn it all right sorry i'm getting sidetracked i'm looking up things. oh yeah no worries that's, yeah that's it's just cool. yeah i know it's just another band that i've recently found that i really really like and it's not i mean it's like a different offshoot of rock essentially so Every time I listen to one, I kind of inevitably end up listening to the other. But more on the struts, if, you know, excuse me, if any of you didn't, you should go listen to the song Wild Child they have with Tom Morello on Strange Days. Damn, that's a fucking incredible song. <laughs> Is it a cover of the Heart song, Wild Child? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I'll be honest. Let me see. What's a, let me, let me... Did you Wild find it weird child. that they did a song with Robbie Williams? Yeah, absolutely. It's it's also kind of just a weird track in general. Yeah, I know. I, it's I like know. it played, and I was like, who the hell is this? And I pulled my phone, I'm like, Robbie fucking Williams, what? Why? How? How does that come about? <laughs> I know. Like, I love Robbie Williams, but they're very separate things. Like, if I'm mm-hmm. there, I yeah, it was an interesting combination. It's like another track on that album. There, one of the credits listed is Phil. It's Phil Collin. I know. L-L-E-M. I did it. <laughs> yeah, and I was like, "Holy shit, Phil Collins!" What? I know. Totally. Edwig and the Angry Inch moment. We're talking to Phil Collins, people. But it's actually people right? from Def Leppard. Oh, that Phil Collin. Yeah. Uh, no, it does not look like it's a cover of the Heart song. No, it's not. I'm listening to it. Oh, okay. It's like, I didn't know what the heart song was. So. <laughs> it's called I, Wild Child. It doesn't feature Tom Morello, though. Yeah, I googled the lyrics to make sure they weren't the same, essentially. I did get into a major Robbie Williams wormhole after this. So I just want to let you know that. Well, I appreciate you letting me know. That did not happen to me, but I was tempted. Mm-hmm. What was the boy band Robbie Williams was in? Oh, I just uh, broke everyone's brain. <laughs> right? Damn, I should know this. <laughs> uh... I don't know, but he's hot and I'm interested. Uh, <laughs> You're here for it. Let's see. Oh, it's in the Take the that, take that, take that, take that, take that. Yeah. <laughs> I Googled it too, because it's never a bad time to look at a picture of Robbie Remember Williams. when he came out, we were like, he's the least likely to have a solo here. <laughs> <laughs> I recently watched an interview with <laughs> I recently watched an interview with Larry King and Morrissey, which was an interesting way to spend 40 minutes. Yeah, damn. <laughs> and the crowd goes silent. <laughs> sorry, I'm looking at Robbie Williams. I'm so sorry. Yeah, I'm back. I'm back. I'm back. I'm back. I'm no, back. I agree. Like, I can't, I can't really picture how those two communicate, really. But I can imagine, American yeah. It's, yeah, like an interesting 40 minutes. It was more interesting because I never really seen Morrissey interviewed before, and this is like Morrissey a couple, like a few years ago now, but like kind of like modern Morrissey, T- basically talking about like what depression means to him and like how much he loves performing and like how he's actually a pretty like happy and content person, and it's like you know sort of is I was sort of like how the music is sort of like how he deals, like he expresses himself through the music. And as a result therein, he can, you know, it's, it, it doesn't like who he is lyrically as an artist doesn't necessarily a reflection of who he is 
as a person, but you know, it's, it's hard to say. I, it, I think it's the difference between potentially seeing him interviewed by somebody that he respects and holds a lot of clout as opposed to maybe him being interviewed by somebody where he just could not be bothered to be there. Plus he's also had a long time to like come to terms with who he is and stuff. Right. But it's, it was interesting. It was interesting to see him interviewed and sort of be like really animated and just kind of be a human being and not just be like holding a bunch of flowers and twirling around <laughs> looking like he'd rather not be there. Yeah, exactly. That's kind of what I was expecting. It sounds like it's a really good interview. I'm going to go watch it. Like, I've got it pulled up on my Chrome now. I'll watch it. Yeah, it's from a number of years ago now. I think it's what? It's from like 2016? 2017. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's, it's not, certainly not modern, but it's in terms of Morrissey's career, it's definitely modern. So. It was good. I've 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 fallen into a bit of a Larry King rabbit hole and Russell Brand rabbit hole. Russell Brand. Russell Brand, who I don't care at all for his stand-up, but really like him as like I can't even say like a person, but it's like I like listening to him talk. I like I like who he is in that way. I like his podcast. I like listen like I like listening to him talk and like wax wax wise. I like the trues his like YouTube show where he kind of talks about the news and he tries to be truthful about it. I like him as a person and him as an intellectual um, comedy wise. He and I are worlds apart. I've, I've watched a couple of his specials and on them mostly boring. Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of right. Uh, I don't think I've ever seen any of his comedy stuff, but I, from what I know about him, he seems interesting and he'd probably be interesting to listen to. I feel like I tried his podcast and didn't get very far. Um, That's fair. But I did accidentally, funny that we're speaking about Robbie Williams, I know, I'm still stuck on it. Um, <laughs> this is going to wheel us back to where we should be. <laughs> get back to Robbie. Graham Norton, a clip from Graham Norton showed up in my, I don't know, Facebook or something today of Robbie Williams telling a story <laughs> in front of like, I don't know, Anna, Anna Kendrick, is that a person? Does she sing? Anyway. <laughs> That, those sound like two words that go together as a person. Yeah. And he was telling a story about how he was in a hotel and a stranger came up and offered to jerk him off. And he agreed because he thought it was the cleaning staff and then found out later there was no cleaning. <laughs> <laughs> and, it was, and it was a stranger and it was a woman from the pub who then went on to tell the story that she did this and no one believed her until he told the story in public. Holy <laughs> shit. It's like that guy that tells a story about Bill Murray taking his fries, looking him dead in the eye, and be like, "No one will ever believe you." <laughs> <laughs> so good. I love Graham Norton. I love Graham Norton. Oh yes, he's. I love that show where he just gets everybody shit faced and then yeah. interviews them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that would be my dream back. job, actually. I think. Right. Yeah. That and voice actor. Hmm. Yeah. I no, I. I think I'd rather have a talk show. I like shooting the show. Talk show would be fun. I think I think the problem with talk show is people who are really good at it make make it seem like they're interested in everybody who's there. And I think a lot of the time They're not. They're not. <laughs> I'll tell you, I'm not interested in you. I I love Graham Norton. He's just one of my favorite people. I was so excited to see he's like a per like the permanent judge on the UK drag race. Yes, yes. <laughs> what a great callback. Yeah, yeah. You're welcome. Full, circle. Full, circle. <laughs> full circle. That was a big loop we just Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't watch enough 
Graham Norton, but I, at the risk of potentially sending us down a completely different rabbit hole, I do celebrate every Christmas watching the Big Fat Quiz of the Year, which is hosted by... Oh, I've had too much to drink. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. Here we go. You know, uh, Jimmy something. You know, he laughs. He's like, oh, 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 oh. <laughs> no. Wow, this is going so well for me. Okay. I just, yeah, I'm withholding comment. <laughs> Jimmy Carr. Oh, God. Anyway. Yeah. Jimmy Carr is so good. Jim, uh, if you guys, I cannot believe as two people who love the UK and Britain as much as oh, you yeah. do, have never watched the Big Fat Quiz of the Year. No. They play it on Christmas Day no. on on the BBC every year. Hosted by Jimmy Carr. It's been going since 2004. Then they also have the Big Fat Quiz of the Decade. They have the Big Fat Quiz of everything. And they just get like mostly British celebrities and British comedians and stuff. And they're, they go on... And it's just, it's like my favorite thing. It's its so funny. And they have do a YouTube you, channel. Do you have BBC? Like, I don't have any. No, the episodes are all on YouTube. It's they There's a Big Fat Quiz YouTube channel, and I watch it every year. There's 32 episodes as of the 26th of December. It is amazing. And I, I got to be honest, this year, as far as I know, they did not have Noel Fielding and Richard Iowati as one of the, the team's which made me sad. Richard Iowati. I love Noel uh, Fielding. I love Noel Fielding. Noel Fielding and Russell Brand were on as a as a team one year. No. That was fucking amazing. No. Um, Richard Iowati, the Moss from the IT crowd, him and Noel Fielding. <gasps> him and Noel Fielding, again, from the IT crowd, are quite often on it as a team. And it's just the year. Oh, there was one year that Scary Spice was there. And... and Noel, and she was there with Noel Fielding and you could tell that she was just so out of her element. She was just used to people <laughs> who are far more sophisticated and like cooler than these people. And she's there with like these very not cool British comedians and stuff. And and Noel and Richard Iowati is eating a banana talk because the the best there's and I'm, I just love it so much. The, the, the people who have been there for a number of years usually know that because it's, I guess, a very, very long shoot, because the, ep the episode turns out to be like an hour or more, so they must film for over two hours. So most people who have been there bring snacks, and at some point they just start, start <laughs> handing each other food. So at one point, Richard Iowati just, like, is just eating a banana. And she's like, what are you doing? Why are you eating? And he's like, you know, I'm going to be... He's like, I'm, I got to keep my... my my energy up he's like i'm gonna be tanked up quipping till the very end and you're gonna be flagging you know in the in in the in the final quarter or whatever and she's like you're a bit odd aren't you and he's like no one has ever said that to me before <laughs> <laughs> um uh, i can't do it justice but i i cannot believe that you don't know it but i'm so glad that i can share this with you yeah i'm do sure i'm favor everybody everywhere if you like british humor watch the big fat quiz of the year they're all on youtube just thank me later saying that actually i can give you a recommendation bad. i can give you a recommendation as like a thank you so i don't know if you'll remember this show angie but the show countdown yes i totally yeah, watched Countdown. absolutely right so jimmy carr actually hosts another show called eight out of ten cats does countdown and it's jimmy <laughs> carr's host and a, every like episode it's four british comedians i believe occasionally they bring on like 
Americans, Canadians, but it's usually British comedians. And they just, they play countdown while making fun of each other, telling jokes. It's really, really, really good. And I just, I love Jimmy Carr. He's so much fun. And his fucking oh, yeah. laugh. It's just so infectious. Um, but yeah, it's called Eight Out of Ten. Hurt that you know who Jimmy Carr is, but you did not know who he was based on my impression of his laugh. <laughs> no. I'm sorry. Your impression was so good. Spot on. <laughs> did you ask when somebody wants to describe Jimmy Carr as a ventriloquist dummy? He's like, why do you look like a ventriloquist I dummy? Can't do it. <laughs> and then and then and then somebody ran up behind him and started treating him like a dummy <laughs> so you might have to discord me the name of that because yeah. i'm just not in a place to take notes right now but for everybody listening also check out eight out of ten cats does countdown also also yeah. go watch the original countdown just yeah. get some countdown in your lives one way or another <laughs> um and do you remember never mind the buzzcocks <laughs> yeah. yes loved it um but i was very yeah, excited like slowly turning into telling people to do to stop listening to our podcast and, and do, do other, other things. things yeah yeah for sure <laughs> um noel fielding also is one of the hosts more recent hosts for the great british bake-off which is a show i'm fucking obsessed with so love him i haven't seen enough of it and i hate myself for it they make a lot of great British Bake Off references on Big Fat Quiz, especially when he becomes a host. And they're like, so tell us about Mary Berry. <gasps> he never was on there with Mary Berry. I mean, Noel Fielding really. wasn't, but. Yeah, but. Uh, oh. I only discovered. Do you think we could convince all of our partners to just move to England? Yeah. <laughs> Already I'm, tr- I'm trying to work on Renee to take our family to BC because I'm just over the Albertan winners. But so far, no sale. I have always wanted to move back to England forever. Mm. I don't know if I want to move back, but I'm definitely going to go back. Oh, I've... No, I'll move back. <laughs> I'll for post-COVID. They have that, like, weird strain that apparently is here. But, it is. Uh, okay, we also have that weird strain. It's so. in Ottawa. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> okay. Anyways, back final to... thoughts on the strut. I don't know how much of this I'm going to cut out. Um, <laughs> oh, leave it Anybody in. got a like, specific favorite track? I think I wrote Gone for Good, but that's not the name of it. I think it's called Kiss Kiss Me, Kiss This, Kiss This. Kiss This. Oh, I, so good. <laughs> it makes me so happy, and I get this song stuck in my head forever, and uh, I just love it. I think it's the first one I heard, so I guess it's got sentimental whatever. I mean, it's also a really, really, really good song. <laughs> and I get a little, uh, 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 uh. yeah. It took me days to figure out which song I would even call my favorite. <laughs> What's but, yours? I don't know. Like I debated between "Dirty Sexy Money," the old switcheroo, and "Kiss This." Mm. So very good. But when I actually settled on something different, I actually went with "Roll Up." I think for my favorite track. Okay. Because it's just such a great build just, up. Build up, yeah. It's just it's a perfect opening track, but it's also just a really, really good first kind of like song of the drive, get you ready for the day. Yeah. And I also, <laughs> I think it's the second verse. He says, "Whatever I wear, it's it's got to have flair, so you people can stare." Mm-hmm. I love it. Yeah, man after my own heart. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and it totally matches the image I have of them in my head too, right? Yeah. Like you're strolling down the street in this big sequin jumpsuit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's so sexy like Freddie was. His voice is. <laughs> I think uh, I'm going to throw my hat in the ring for this song, Only Just a Call Away. 
Ooh, good song. It's a good choice. Okay. It's actually the one I'm on right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like that song a lot. I just like, I don't know. I have no particular reason why. It's just, I connect with it for some reason, musically, or maybe it's a minor, it's in a minor key. <laughs> I was about to say, it's, I totally get it, honestly, because it's got that like kind of slower, more mellow minor key feel to it. Mm-hmm. It's a really good song. And I, I think it yeah. does a really good job of demonstrating how strong Luke's vocals are because mm-hmm. singing a song slowly, I always find really helps to kind of sell vocals if the person can do it well. Isn't his yeah. voice so crisp? It is. Perfect. Ah, oh, it's so good. <laughs> All right. I have no songbird if anybody else has one. It's been a while since we had an album with a songbird on it. Those that are listening, the songbird of the album, as we define it, is not necessarily a bad song. It's the song that kicks you out of the flow of the album and kind of makes you aware that something has changed. So, it's, again, not a bad song. Not a bad song. Just just, just different. Named, of course, it's namesake for the song, for the song Songbird from Fleetwood Mac's Rumors album, which could not possibly take the wind out of everybody's sails when you're listening to that album. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm really glad you just put that disclaimer there because my songbird of this album is definitely only just a call away. (laughs) It's just, it's the speed of like the speed of the intro of it's just so it's so kind of low and it's just so different from the rest. The rest of the songs are immediately quick, whether like, Even, you know, She Makes Me Feel like has that kind of a much poppier feel to it. Mm. The rest of the songs still all pick up really quick and then build into something. Whereas as much as I like Only Just a Callaway because it's slow, it also, every time I play through this album, it takes me a second to kind of adjust to the new speed of that song. Because Mm. even these times are changing and like, where did she go? the two on either side have much faster intros and like only just a callaway almost like cat builds up to catching up in the middle, but it's that like really kind of intentional slow build up that kind of, again, that's not like a strong one. It's not like a, Oh shit. What am I listening to now? It's just like a, it'll come on. And just for a second, I'm like, why is it so quiet? Like did I accidentally turn my volume down? <laughs> Brings you down a notch. Yeah. Yeah. Just like the energy just kind of shifts so suddenly that, it always catches me off guard for a bit. Okay, that's fair. Um, though I didn't have a strong one, but the she makes me feel is just it starts off a little poppy garbagey to me and takes me out of the the uh, the feel that I'm used to on this okay. album. All right, like I said, I don't think I have one. Those are both great great choices. Any final thoughts? The struts are good. Go listen. <laughs> go go listen to all of it. <laughs> a great walking music. Good upbeat. Feel good power anthem homage to freddy yeah 100 percent. It, it really is such a it's like a motivation album for me almost it's yeah. such a good way to just start like start the day or kind of motivate yourself to get moving on your next big task mm-hmm. it's a perfect album for that what's definitely the- a good album to put on to clean the house too mm. <laughs> yeah i'm really excited to hear what the next album is <laughs> yeah, even what do you have for us? I think I'm about to take the wind out of those sails. Oh, no. 
Okay, so I, I debated a few, and actually, after listening to the Struts, part of me was like, oh, what other kind of older music have I forgotten about? And I came across the song SLUT by B. Mil- Miller, and instantly fell in love all over again. It's very good. But I actually went with kind of what my original plan was. Me and Brent talked a little bit about it. But in honor of trying something new, like exploring different genres in the new year, we're going to do our first country album. Oh no. Yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I'm here for it. And I, I wish I could try to ease that burden. Oh no. But in kind of in honor of Charlie Pride's passing in December of last year, I think if we're going to start with country, Charlie Pride's a perfect place to start. As soon as you hear it, you're going to realize that it's a sound that defined kind of an entire generation of classical country. Saying that, it also means a lot of the songs are quite slow, and a a lot of what Charlie Pride sang about was, like, love and relationships, very, what we now consider, like, stereotypical country, but it's also incredibly well done. The man has a killer voice. I mean, he... I don't want to say too much. <laughs> There's a lot I can say no, about Charlie Pride. Don't start the next episode. But he is, he's a like an icon and he he forever changed the landscape of country. So I think okay. if we're going to do a country album, especially with him recently passing, there's no choice but Charlie Pride. And saying it that, I, yeah, I picked a bit of a different album than what we usually do because of this, like, if you, when you look at him on Spotify, you'll see because of the size of his discography and all the different literal decades he performed through it's really hard to pick a starting point even more so than like stevie wonder was Mm -hmm. so i want to do the 2014 best of charlie pride album that's on spotify because it's a collection of yeah it's a collection of songs and i wouldn't do justice to try and compress all the different things charlie pride did and was into a single album he produced so that yeah maybe it was time that we do a best of album and it also helps that like a lot of his original especially in the 60s and 70s a lot of his albums are only like 32 to 35 minutes long the best of is 45 so that gives us the length we're kind of used to working with on albums but it's very old very classic country so just heads up for that (laughs) and i'm sorry yeah his his plays on this album are like in the hundreds of thousands not in the millions so that's cool well there's one something called crystal chandeliers we'll get to it all right next week best of charlie pride first best of album first country album Let's see what we have to say about it thank you so much for not choosing his 2014 the gospel collection oh, I think that's I, what you were going to I say i might have enjoyed that more <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I do I do have a soft spot for country gospel. I love gospel. If I was gonna do a gospel album, it would probably be one of Johnny Cash's. <laughs> Fair. Well, we are all three different people, and apparently my thoughts on the matter are different <laughs> people. <from> you, so. <laughs> I'm glad that we're doing this together. Yeah, it's gonna be a wild episode. I did want to point out though, the song on the album, Kiss an Angel Good Morning, has twenty two point seven million plays, but plays off the actual album it's on. Okay just saying okay yeah i guess it's sort of difficult to get yeah when you look at his like top one two three like the top five on spotify they're in the millions but yeah kiss an angel good morning considerably more than everything oh yeah but all right cool well um again at the the next next episode let's let's do it i'm here for it we'll get it we'll get it done and uh we'll talk about one last thing though because you didn't ask geez this absolutely is a dessert island album for me <laughs> oh, this is I an forgot. anytime all year round everyday album i Yay. i was 
blown away. I'm trying not to eat sugar. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, as soon as Roll Up like kicked in, I was like, oh my god, I definitely know this song. Like, <laughs> like joyfully giddy. It was so much fun. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Desert Island album. Um, I think there's probably a couple songs on here that I wouldn't be sad to listen to again. I don't think... Put it to you this way. I don't think I'm going to follow the struts on Spotify, but I would, wouldn't be upset if I heard these songs again. I'd really like to see them live. I think that's the next step for me. Yeah, same. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, well, I will put my seriously intense hatred for country music on a back burner and uh, <laughs> be open-minded. Here we go. He's really paying it back for how incredible this choice was. <laughs> yeah, you gotta pay for it. I cannot wait to see what Angie pays it back with after this one. <laughs> Another Alche album. Holy yeah. We're gonna listen to the ambient album of uh, Moki. Oh, That's just 25 <laughs> minute tracks of ambient beats. Hey. <laughs> I am here for that. I listen to it all the time when I read. But um, like, yes, we're going to listen to the Marconi Union. It's three hours. <laughs> I'd like you guys to listen to the uh, ten-hour. Are you picking the next album, or will we be? Yeah, the next album because because I have failed to get last week's album out on time. Um, I am going to work hard to make sure that our choices for January make it out before February so that we can do our plan for February on time. But yes. So you'll pick the next one that's still in January? No, I don't think so. Well, no, because our our last episode will go up, say, this week. This episode will go up whenever next week. Okay. And then our next episode is February, so. So you're picking the first Heartbreak album? I am. Or Breakup album? I am. Great. I'm excited. (laughs) So I yes, I will work to keep us back on track. So I may have to I'll put in put in the time to probably have an episode like two episodes in one week at some point. Yeah. But yeah, there's three weeks. We have three weeks in January that we're recording for. And then February is four weeks. So we're gonna one of us is gonna be going twice in February, probably. Unfortunately it's probably going to be me and I don't know. Yeah, it's definitely get there. <laughs> I realized today, thinking about it, I don't actually have any personal breakup albums <laughs> um, having that conversation another time <laughs> yeah <laughs> thank you so much for listening we're gonna sign oh, off yeah, shit. we're gonna take this conversation <laughs> after okay bye. thanks so much for listening thanks. bye everyone thanks <laughs> thanks for listening to life to labyrinth podcast theme music by devin rose Find Devin on Bandcamp or any streaming service. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Life Number Two Labyrinth.